but it's all moving towards positive. Even the worst case scenario, it's all moving towards the positive because you're affirming it. You're, you're now using your creative energy instead of using it towards worry. You're using it towards the best outcome. And out that of all is the three. so next level. That's mm-hmm. where we're going here. We're going next level because it's possible. It's probable. And even you just saying the words in those scenarios, I'm like, yes, that feels good. You know, Doesn't it, it feel good. It feels I mean, as I was reading it, I'm like, yeah, that, that feels pretty solid to me. I think that would cover it if I had a teenager today. <laughs> exactly. I know. I'm going to put yeah. that to good use. Welcome to the Let's Be Real podcast, genuine conversations for authentic living. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Lisa Allshafer, Empowerment Life Coach and author. And I'm Sandra Pariser, Health and Wellness Entrepreneur and Truth Seeker and Truth Speaker. And today's episode is about overcoming worry with scenario analysis. And I think this one will touch everybody, Lisa, honestly, like our last week's video on perfectionism. Um, It's something everybody struggles with. The human experience is to struggle with, with worrying whether you're worrying about, you know, if you have little kids and worrying about, are they going to be okay? Or worrying about a project that's due or just worrying in general is, is something that, that humans are going to bump up against at some point in time or another. So before we get carried away, if you wouldn't mind hitting the like, subscribe and share, we would appreciate it if you are so inclined. You know, part of it is that one of our biggest fears is the fear of the unknown. So when we live in unknown and uncertainty, that's where a lot of that worry comes up because a lot of what we worry about, we don't have control over. Mm -hmm. And we are beings that like to feel in control of our lives. But then that's part of what we've talked about so much is that so much of our lives we don't have control over. We don't have control over our environment sometimes and other people and so forth. So for this, it really hits at that primitive part of our brain <laughs> that can have us really be stressed out and walk around with that worry and concern when it really does not serve us. The One of the um, quotes that I've used in the past is, worrying is wishing for what you don't want. So we want to start putting our energy towards what we do want. But this is really, a, what we're going to do is we're going to go over a process, uh, best case, worst case scenario, and um, and really take you through some steps so that when you get stuck in your worry or if worry has just become part of your lifestyle, mm-hmm. that you can start to move out of that lifestyle and um, or those certain specific areas where you worry the most so you can pull yourself out of it. This is what's mm-hmm. really important is pulling yourself out of it. And an interesting thing, which actually is what made me think of this as a, as a subject this week, is I've been watching This Is Us on Netflix, mm. which oh. is now on Netflix. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> I'm getting to the point with it where I'm like, oh, it's so emotional. It is very emotional, very emotional. But one of the things that one of the couples does in the show is when they are having all these thoughts in their head about what could go wrong, what could go wrong, they just get together really quick and they do worst case scenario, like the worst case scenario game, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, and they're like, oh, well, she's going to, you know, go off the road and she's going to die. Okay. Well, I'm thinking about, uh, she's going to, you know, um, uh, hit another person or whatever, you know, whatever their thing is, but they just, it's, it's without judgment. It's just quick down and dirty, right? What are yep. their worst thoughts? And I think it was really funny. And that's what actually made me think about this as a, yeah. as a possible subject, but it's and a show. one of the things that i like that show, by the way, it's so raw. It's such a raw oh, yeah. show. And yeah. you and I talking about it before we started binge watching, which we're in the binge watching, mm-hmm. it really does, it, it, it gives a good, clean look at family mm-hmm. from just a guy just makes you feel good. And then it makes you cry. Then it makes mm-hmm. you feel good. And, and sometimes <laughs> I'm crying because I feel good. You know, I don't cry very often because it's, it's so sad. I cry very often because it's really, and it's raw. Um, but the worrying and in right when you were using your description, um, the one thing that at least got me to the point of even declaration to universe, November of 2022 was what you focus on expands. Mm -hmm. And we were just in a place after this horrendous move from our forever home that we loved so much 
to, um, it was almost an emergency fly into a scenario where we were dealing with, <laughs> I mean, for four or five months, I would wake up in the morning and be brushing my teeth in my pajamas and I'd have five Mexicans doing construction around me. And it was, you know, I mean, God bless them. Like, I don't think they were as comfortable as I was either, you know, like, oh my gosh, this lady's brushing her teeth, you know, cause contractors get there, get to work at six o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. So it was, and then it was like, and then there were problems with the contractors and then we couldn't find uh, the components for the shower. So my master bathroom just four or five months of pajamas and toothpaste and people in my bathroom. Um, but anyway, so it was just, so then the more, um, bad things were happening, you know, like losing, like where are the bathroom components, literally the pipes to put the, the shower to get, you can't do anything else if you don't have the pipes running the water to the fixtures. <laughs> so, and then after about a month and a half of looking for them and reordering all of them all over again, Alan decides to go looking in some boxes and they were sitting in the house the entire time. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of perpetuating the, the worst case scenario. And then when you focus on, I love the couple that does that, you know, mm -hmm. cause it's something that every single person can do it, whether you're in an intimate relationship or with your best friend, what's the worst that can happen? Um, and then in, and then kind of laughing about it. So, cause what yeah. it does is it diffuses it. Yes, it exactly. It. Instead of having it run, ruminate on it yeah. in your head, it's like, okay, this is it. Now let's, now what, how can we move forward? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just think this is going to be a very pertinent, you know, it wasn't that long ago that the creation in my life was very messy and very mm -hmm. um, worrisome. And we were absolutely heading into the worst case scenario, mm -hmm. but we course corrected. So we're going to share with you the, mm -hmm. the, what it looks like on a small scale versus what it could look like on a big scale versus how we can get to a place where we can address it, laugh at it, move through it, move through it and yeah. move on. Yeah, absolutely. So the first step in doing this, this process, this analysis mm -hmm. um, with the scenarios is really clearly defining what it is that you're worried about, what you're concerned about, and really go and pinpoint the things that are, um, you know, really contributing to the worry that you're experiencing. And one of the things we're going to do is take a scenario, <laughs> an, an actual example of, uh, so to take it through the whole process so you can kind of see what that would look like. So we've chosen to use, uh, for those, all those parents out there with teenagers, talk about a worried time of life <laughs> when they're getting up more of their independence and everything. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the worry of your teenager going to a social event, a party, whatever it is, um, with their friends. So that's what we're going to, so that's the concern, <laughs> right? And this is, again, if you don't have teenagers or never have had teenagers, you were at one point in time a teenager. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the first, really clearly define what it is that you're worrying about. And then the next thing is to envision the best case scenario, uh, considering the most favorable outcomes, uh, what might happen in this specific situation. So again, with a teenager, it could be um, that your teenager has a positive experience, makes new friends, and demonstrates responsible behavior <laughs> by adhering to curfew and all the safety guidelines, right? So this And is makes like, good choices yes. that you would be proud of her for making yeah. when you're not even there. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And again, thinking back on being a teenager yourself, there were t times I'm sure where you made really great decisions and there were also times that you made not really great decisions which would launch us into the worst case scenario. So we're really, this is, again, this is pretty, it's actually pretty simple when you're able to kind of break it down this way, um, which it gives it, gives your worry some structure to move through it. Because when we're worried, we're more focused on the worst case scenario. So we're going to explore that, but we're also moving that energy also over to that best case scenario to mm -hmm. kind of round it out. So the worst case scenario is what you're doing is exploring that by examining all the potential consequences that can result as your teenager goes out to whatever event that he or she is going out to, um, which might look like, so the worst case scenario can look like your teenager engages in risky behavior, breaks rules, or faces unsafe situations during the event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know I put myself in some of those situations. 
way too much, but here I am on the other side. So even though that might happen, um, it doesn't mean it's the end of the world, yeah. right? Doesn't mean it's, you know, yeah. going to have the worst. And even if God forbid the worst case scenario actually does come to fruition, we're still not responsible for other people, you know, and in the worst case scenario, the worry, even when you and I met, you know, and, and Eric was a teenager, young teenager, young teenager, when you and I met and the first time I had the tetany, what was I doing? I was so worried about my stepdaughter's dangerous life. And that worry was the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And to the point where I couldn't open my hands and I was riddled on the floor in the guest room of my first house in Las Vegas and Alan was somewhere else and you were on the phone with me. We walked through a process and, and it was th through that one process, of course I got my hands back, but I was like, I was so worried it con it started controlling my body. Yeah. Right? And then honestly it, it didn't take that long and when I say that long it was within a month or two where um you very much helped us just love her as she is. And once we let go of the attachment to the behavior we wanted her to elicit or behave like or be like, and we just loved her exactly as she is for all the bad choices we perceived she was making. And, um, and she came back around yeah. because she didn't feel like she was judged. She felt like she was safe and we did, we truly loved her no matter what. I think every parent can, no matter what we have some kids that are making some real dangerous, bad choices and, and worrying will never help the situation loving through the situation is is what's going to be the most beneficial so that just reminded me of that lisa yeah, <laughs> yeah. you were there for that <laughs> right and we can sit in our worry mm -hmm. now there's a difference i mean parents are going to worry that's just part of the package it's not about never worrying it is but it is about recognizing when your worry is taking a toll on your body because it will like it with you you went mm -hmm. into the tetany and, and went into that kind of that frozen mode because that's all about control. You lost mm -hmm. control mm -hmm. of at least your hands and, and, you know, just that aspect of mm -hmm. kind of parts of your body that were just saying, nope, sorry, you're free, mm -hmm. you're tightening up. And when we worry, we're tightening and we're constricting. Mm -hmm. And so when we get stuck in that, it can take mm -hmm. a toll on our body whether it's tetany or, I mean, that was a little more extreme, mm -hmm. but you know, whether it's your heart, your blood pressure, your, the stress that can cause you to, I mean, stress can cause all sorts of conditions yeah. in your body and worry is a form of stress. So it's recognizing you're not going to be at your optimum to even take action if you need to take action because mm -hmm. you're, you're already depleting your energy and your body and weakening it in, as you, as you stress, as you worry. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a real thing, a which real is thing. why you and I thought how appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot, you know, we could, we could easily spiral at this stage in the game. And that's why I love the teenager, you know, cause we can all relate to that. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot that we could easily get consumed with worry mm -hmm. and even I get consumed with worry, you know, oh. It's, our businesses, our, you know, our other family members, our, yeah. you know, our health. I mean, the interesting thing is the more you worry about your health, the more your health goes down. It's, it's mm -hmm. depleted, right? Yep. It's actually weakening your health by worrying about your health. I know it's that, you know, that dichotomy, that irony of that. Um, but even so, when you're putting all that worry out, we want to help you to get through the worry. Right. But ultimately, when you maintain worry for a longer for a long period of time, everything is being depleted and you're now focusing on what you don't want and whatever you focus on expands. So you're actually can, can be contributing to the very thing you're so afraid of happening, just like mm -hmm. with your with somebody's health. Yeah. If you're worried about your health, you're weakening your health. Your, mm -hmm. your health is becoming worse. You're becoming more unhealthy. Yeah. Um, stress also ages, worry ages you, <laughs> <laughs> right? You don't say, 
Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, everyone's so looking true. for the, for the fountain of youth. Well, get a yeah. handle on your worry, get a handle on your stress. That's the biggest thing you could do to help with the, you know, slowing down the aging process mm -hmm. is staying in that relaxed state. Yes. Okay. So the next step is a, going through a probability assessment. So what you're doing is you're taking the best case scenario and the worst case scenario, and you're looking at, well, what's the likelihood of the best case scenario? So if you look at the teenager example, you know, um, you could see, well, what's my teenager's track record mm. and communication with me as a, as a parent? Um, mm. And so that's going to give you an indication because people show you where they're at. So you got to look and see, well, what, where has my teenager been at? And if they've been pretty good about um, having positive outcomes when they go out on their own or go to events or hang out with their friends or communicate with you, then, you know, maybe they have a 70% likelihood that it's going to turn out for the best case scenario. But if you have a teenager who is not really good at all that stuff, then that might be a 30%. So the remainder would be 30% likelihood that the worst case scenario or, un or an undesirable outcome could take place. But at least what you're doing is you're looking at it from more of a logic-based approach instead of all that emotion-based stuff mm -hmm. that's going on. Because that's yeah. what worry is. It's all emotion-based. And for people who are emotionally sensitive and you know, can be um, even emotionally intense at times, mm -hmm. you know, that worry can just, just be in there. So you want to start moving out of too much of the feeling stuff and go into, well, let me just kind of look at this more from a logical place and really start to bring some facts in, right? Or estimated facts, obviously, so that I can not let my emotions run the show here. Yeah. And, you know, right as you were talking, I'm like, I got some great examples for that go backwards to when they were toddlers. Um, you're, you're running around your house and putting, oh gosh, I hated those things. The outlet protectors, right? And that was my nemesis because I was electrocuted when I was three years old. There wasn't a light bulb in the lamp. And maybe I was two and a half to three and a half, somewhere in that range. And I, as a little girl, was on my grandma's bed and I was trying to turn the light bulb on and I stuck my middle finger, you probably can't see it, but I stuck my middle finger in the, where the light bulb should have been. And, you know, electricity runs for the ground. And so it blew off this finger. I got scars on my body and I was hospitalized and very, very young. So I'm like, I stuck my finger in a live light socket without a bulb in it. Right? Like, okay. So who, how, how are they going to stick their finger in an outlet? Like none of that ever made any sense to me, right? So I didn't have any worry about it. However, my husband is like, they're going to stick their finger in the outlet. I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. However, from a very logical perspective, I was like, okay, uh, worst case scenario, why would I even question, put the stupid protector in there, call it a day. There's no worries if you know, some of these things that we can do, like, you know, put, put, put the freaking outlet protector in there and it's no problem. And, you know, things like, it, you know, when you go back to when they were infants, that's more of our responsibility than when they're teenagers. And now you have a track, rack, track record of your child being able to communicate. Um, but, you know, there's, there's this common sense logic that will take a, just a ton of worry away of, of realizing like, let me just connect the dots and see which one is more rational. Is she going to go to a party and drink and sleep with so-and-so? Uh, that's not her disposition. Why am I worried about that? Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. I can pick on Stacey Mia in particular because she's the one that I, I, she's so, her track record has shown that she uses discernment. And if she goes into a place where she's not comfortable, she turns around and walks back out. And again, coming back to the teenager, because this is like something we've all dealt with. I mean, I remember when my older stepkids were in their teenage years and the rule was, I don't care where you're at or what time it is. If you get drunk or you're not in a safe place and you call home, I will come and pick you up and there will be no questions asked. Please don't ever drink and drive and get in a car with somebody who's intoxicated or if you're in a dangerous place, let me come and get you. No questions asked. So that's just, you know, and that takes the worry away mm -hmm. from them. Yeah. 
and from us, right? Yeah. You know, we, uh, I remember when we went to Sedona and Eric was there, and <laughs> he was younger, so he's maybe 10, maybe 12, I can't remember, um, maybe 10. But when we were climbing on the rocks, I was just like, don't get close to the edge. <laughs> don't get close to the edge. I don't like heights anyway. So yeah. that made me so nervous, right? When he would, because he's just walking around and having a good time. And I'm like, stay close, you know, anyway. So, I mean, there's so many. Oh my scenarios. gosh, there's so yeah. many of those. So many there's scenarios. so many. There's things that make my knees weak and I'm an adventure person. Because mm -hmm. I know, you know, the truth is you can get hurt. And okay. the truth is people make really stupid judgments. Yes. So that, that's when you're worst case scenario or best case scenario. Yeah. That yeah. kind of has to factor in. <laughs> so, it does. Yeah. And another scenario that is the next step is the middle ground scenario. Mm. So if you consider the middle ground scenario, it is what is, what is it that falls between these two extremes? You know, mm. where... Eric falls off the cliff and dies to he's fine the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. He falls off and maybe just hurts himself, skins his yeah, knee, maybe the ankle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that can be helpful as well to kind of now bring in that, that middle ground, which normally that's usually what it is, is somewhat uh, middle ground. So let's say your teenager enjoys the event, is responsible, but faces some minor challenges with a 50% likelihood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but overall, he or she, whichever we didn't pick of gender for the teenager, but well, you're picking a he and I'm picking a she just because that's what we're presented with at this moment in time. <laughs> yes, mine would mine's a he and Sandra's a mine. She. I got two she's, so there that's you go. Right. <laughs> and just like with the light, you know, the light plugs is then the next step is to identify actionable steps that you can take that can increase the likelihood of the best case scenario to occur. So even with the, the light socket, or uh, I'm sorry, the um, plug outlet sockets, right? It just gives you peace of mind. Why take the chance? Why, you know, uh, just give the peace of mind that's something you can take action on. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then we're going to rule that out. There are so, yeah. there, there's so much to worry about, Lisa. Now that I'm thinking about worrying, I, I'm laughing because it could, it could, it, and it has, I'm not laughing because it's something that I, you've dealt with, I've dealt with. Our kids are, are never ending teachers. And, um, you know, the worry thing, I think that the reason that this felt like such a great topic right now is because there really is a lot of things that weren't present in your childhood or mine. Um, things like fentanyl. Um, things like, I mean, that's why this is such a, and I don't want to go deeper, but I think let's go a little bit deeper because the worry is yeah. it's intense. Yeah. There's more it's, dangers that exist today than yeah. there was not that right. there weren't dangers when we were growing up, but there's definitely more dangers with the event, uh, you know, with the technology internet. and just kind of all the changes yeah. that are going on on the planet and you know, in society and so forth, uh, the, the influence of the social media on kids that we didn't have, well, on people and anybody, but especially kids that we didn't even have to deal with that when right. we were growing up, at least not till much later. Um, so there are different forces that you do have to consider seriously when it comes to being a parent of a teenager or any child's uh, age mm -hmm. for that matter, but just even for ourselves. So, Best case scenario, I go to the grocery store, I get what I need, I come home. Worst case mm -hmm. scenario, there's a, you know, there's a <laughs> mass shooter in there <laughs> and I won't make it home. Then I'm on the other side, you know, yeah. okay. Yeah. So, you know, but you can't be walking around with, you know, all of these thoughts. It's, right. And, and one of the things that I think too is um, when it comes to danger, is to be aware of the dangers when they're present, um, but don't let it, don't sit in that. Don't oh, sit yeah. in the danger. Of mm -hmm. course there's, uh, you know, we can all go at any time. That's, that's the, that's the, you know, that's just the. That's reality. Works. That's the way that it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, but 
you have to be prepared. And you and I have talked about this along the way uh, throughout these podcasts, which, um, I mean, I've had dear friends in mass shootings. We were there for the October 1st, 2017, um, you know, the Las Vegas massacre shooting, which there's a whole, I don't want to get into the propaganda of that, uh, but it was something very real. You and I lived in Vegas at the time. And if you live there, you knew somebody who was there. You knew somebody who got shot. You knew somebody who died. And it was, um, there is real and present danger. And so take something like that. You got to have a plan for things like that at, in 2024, because unfortunately it is part of our reality. So you can't turn the other way and pretend that doesn't exist because if it did, you need to be prepared. Yeah. And same thing with like, so Stacy Mia, it's so crazy to watch my kids get big, just body big, right? Like she's kind of fitting in my shoes, not really, but kind of, and I've always been the kind of parent that I want my children to be prepared. Um, I don't want them to be afraid. I just want them to be prepared. Um, the school, they do these like, um, lockdown drills. They, they do lockdown drills. They do, uh, they do different kind of drills. Um, but I, I go the distance at explaining to them, you know, like why obviously cater it to the age that they're in. Um, when we first moved here, there was the Uvalde shooting down in Texas where the mass shooter shot up an elementary school. And I'd be getting calls from my family members like, are the girls okay? What are you going to tell them? And I'm like, nothing. Why would you say anything? Like we don't have the televisions on. I don't want them seeing that. I don't want them knowing that that's protecting them. But coming back to what I was saying was <laughs> I want my kids to learn how to drive because in a, like when their feet can touch the pedal, that's another dangerous machine that they've been in a gazillion times. And I know for me, I was a curious teenager. I wanted to drive. I wanted freedom. I wanted all the things, but if they decide to sneak out my car or if something happens and they need to get in the car and physically get us some from A to Z, I need them to know how a machine works. You know, I'm teaching them how to drive the boat. They're watching us pull the thing in and out of the water. These are um, things they need to learn how to do because it is part of life. Be aware. If you're aware, part of that worry goes away. Well, even say something happened, say you take the girls out on the boat and something happens to you. Yep. You've given them enough to at least they can somewhat maneuver around to. Yeah, they, they might not crash on the shore. <laughs> yeah. You know, even in, even in, even in uh, when they get older, even with defensive driving, yeah. what you're doing <laughs> is you are preparing for all the other drivers on the road, not just yourself, but defensive driving, mm -hmm. it, you know, you're, you're working with probability, you're working with worst case scenarios and how can you handle that, which is different, but that's taking action, yeah. right? That's taking action. Yeah. That's not sitting and worry. What if, uh, you know, what if somebody hits me or hits my child or whatever on the road? Cause you know, that's a, that's a higher probability because of car, you know, car accidents, but if you can now take an action to prepare them so they're really good drivers, but not just stop at, you know, stop the stop sign kind of drivers, but defensive drivers. Being you aware of your surroundings. Yeah, for sure. In so, general. In general. In, in general. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So some of the actionable steps that can take place for this particular scenario that we're working with, with the teenager is the best case is you have an open conversation with your teenager establish clear expectations, and provide guidance on responsible behavior. So that's mm -hmm. the action you have control over and that you can take. For the worst case scenario, you could communicate the potential risks, set stricter guidelines, and ensure your teenager has a safety plan in place, which is what you were talking about. No matter what happens, call. And if you can't, so that you could even take it further. If you can't reach us, then call, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you would put in place, plan B. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's, especially if you're 
probability is a little higher on the worst case scenario side, you want to make sure you can do whatever you can. And then, and, but then it's just, you don't have control over it from that point on. You're preparing them the best you can and still giving them the opportunity to go have a good time. Now, the middle ground could be that you emphasize the responsible behavior, discuss the potential challenges, and encourage communication during and after the event. Even in one of these episodes um, of This Is Us, they did the this is um, or the worst case scenario game with the whole family. So it was just the, the husband and the wife, and then they have basically two daughters and an adopted daughter, and they had they opened up the game to the whole family. They said, we think you're old enough now. So we're going to tell you about this game we play called the worst case scenario. And, um, and so the, the adopted daughter. Oh, you just gave it away. They adopted her. (laughs) I'm almost there. Sorry. Spoiler alert. alert. (laughs) Yep. I started before you. That makes me so happy. This this is one of those shows that even if you knew what happened, that's not the point of the show. Yeah, yeah. The point of the show is the whole experience of it. So, oh gosh, that, that makes me so happy. See, happy yeah. tears. I'm telling you, the stupid show. Okay. Yeah. So okay, her so-, so her worst case scenario is that the father would always keep her locked up for the next four years or however long she, until she turns 18 or whatever, yeah. however old she is. And then, um, and then he said, you know, my best case scenario is that you do what you want to do, but you always call me and let me know when you get on the bus, when you get off the bus, so that I know you're okay. That was Randall. his best, best case scenario, right, yeah. to her worst case scenario. So there's lots of ways you can kind of move this around, but... Uh, it, what a great... Okay, they incorporated the kids in that. What a great yeah. gift. Yeah. And because we, a can, lot of, we can all do that too. Because a lot of kids are walking around with um, worries that they think may be um, judged if they were to express it um, or punished if the parents knew. So it's really important if you're going to play that with someone else that there is absolute trust, there's no judgment, and there's no consequences for sharing your kind of your worst thoughts. Yep. It's like, okay. Yep. Because now you're opening up, you know, some pretty important communication that, you know, I don't think a lot of people really do that. Yeah. Because everyone's trying to stay away from the worst case scenario. So we're all walking around with our own little worst case scenarios going on. Or we're working, we're just walking around with worry and it's just like fuzzy general worry, generalized worry. We're not specifically thinking about worst case scenario, but we're just like, we're fearing something bad is going to happen. So even by drilling down on the worst case scenario, you can Mm. say, gosh, you know, even the worst case scenario is not that bad. I can live through that. (laughs) You know, I'll survive that. Mm -hmm. You know, and it even comes back into your parenting workshop that you're doing right now. Um, Our children, we have to know their hot buttons Mm -hmm. and knowing that Stacey Mia, she has this absolute fear of being embarrassed and being embarrassed is part of her personality characteristics. And she really does. It's kind it's in her DNA to, she doesn't want to get in in trouble. She really is a rule follower and she is a natural born leader. And so I have to be, sometimes when she thinks she's in trouble, whether she thinks she's in trouble from me or whether she thinks she's in trouble from Alan, she kind of uses the other parent and it's like, okay, What's the worst case scenario? Let's say mommy's livid and you're in so much trouble. Worst case scenario is what? You get grounded from technology for a few days. Like that's typically the worst case scenario. So how, you know, and I'm going into Stacy's little mind, right? Because I've seen her get really worked up if she thinks daddy's mad at her or I'm mad at her. I just watch it all. The little... You know, I think that's the, I think that's really the worst case scenario is disappointing our parents, our parents being mad at us, uh, you know, that the technology, yes, that's kind of the that yeah. but I but really what lives underneath all that is kids just want our, our love and approval. And if that feels mm-hmm. like it's in jeopardy, that's what scares them the most. That's what's and you know, we we're we're talking about adults being worried about our teenagers or mm-hmm. our young children. Um 
if we worry about them or if we're in a worry state, they are naturally in a worry state because they're trying to process the world and the world is in chaos. Mm -hmm. And so the best thing we could do is get a handle of our worry and our emotions and to, you know, and, and to do it together, like the, this is us and, you know, like let's create as a family. It, it, I think that's the most wonderful thing. I can't wait to talk to Alan about it. We're not to that part in the, sh in the show yet, mm -hmm. but I'm like, that's something that, that because we have tremendous pressure as parents mm. and it's not just to make sure our children are safe, children, teenagers, grown children, grandchildren. It's, it's that they are trying to navigate a world. I think I was talking to you and then I definitely talked to Alan about this today. Yeah. You and I were talking about it. Um, it's not the same way. Like there, there's so many more, uh, pressures and, um, and wars. I feel like there's wars going on everywhere and whether it's inside our country in our neighboring countries around the world. And, and yet the war is not like the Vietnam war. That was really the last war that, I mean, I don't even count the Iraq war. The Iraq war was like this hidden, what kind of war, what, why, why are we even there? Right. Um, we don't want to add worry to people about talking about war. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, well, there's no, I, I don't, don't worry. <laughs> we don't want to add to your worry. Yeah. We just want to say like, you know, it, it, we, uh, you know, and I don't want to put pressure on people where pressure isn't due, but if worry is something that, that you're experiencing, I promise you, your kids are getting the flip side of that coin. And that's, something that I see, you know, when, when Alan and I'm, nobody's perfect, right? When, when we go through our, whether it's the pressures of work or it's, um, friends who are sick or family who are sick, who are struggling, my sister with cancer. I mean, my goodness, I can go, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and so sometimes when we get into our own, you know, husband and wife scenario, it's, I can feel it in my children. And so we just have to be, you know, aware. There are easy little tips and tools that we can do to move away from worry and, and to, you know, show up. And the easiest thing too is just communication, almost like overly communicate with your children, overly communicate with your spouse. And if you feel like you're not saying that it doesn't make sense or you're bumping up against maybe like, I don't understand what this person's saying, it just ask more questions. And like you had said, without judgment, you know, as long as our children or whoever it is feel safe enough to come to us without judgment, without question, and with love, then, then we could all support each other in this worrisome, worry topic. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and to also remember that calming your worry does not mean you don't care. Mm. It means you are... Contributing to the energy so it's moving more towards the best case scenario. Yes. yes. Because your energy is creative energy. So we want to move it towards what you want, not what you don't want. And I did that with Eric when he was probably eight or nine. I don't remember exactly what age. You know, after a while when they're adults, you forget. What age was that? Yeah. yeah. But he rode his bike to school for the first time. And I was living in Summerlin at the time. And there's a lot of roundabouts there. And people are crazy driving around those roundabouts. And he had to go through probably three of them to get to school. <laughs> and so I remember him you know, the first time and he's, he's going off into the sunset. So to speak, no, he's going off, you know, towards the first roundabout. And I had this image of being hit, him being hit by a car and body parts all over. And I mean, it was just like, really like it was fast, but it was very visual. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is yes, not what that. I want to be. I don't want to be putting my, my thoughts and my creative energies towards what I don't want. Don't want. So what I did is I, put him in this little bubble of, you know, <laughs> um, uh, good energy and, and, and spiritual energy and, and protective energy and said, you know, thought to, said to myself and thought to myself, nope, he's going to be fine. He's going to get to school. He's going to, 
you know, come home. He's going to have a good time. He's going to get a taste of freedom being out on his own on his bike. He's going to have fun and enjoy it. He's going to make it to school. He's going to make it home every time he rides his bike. And I also thought, too, is that he has his own natural protection. We all do, actually. Mm -hmm. And when we're more trusting of it and we're more in align with it, the more protected we are. So to do that for ourselves, but to also do it for our kids. And if you're putting them in a little bubble helps, then put them in that little bubble or big bubble, <laughs> whatever size they need, and, okay. and, and, and send them on their way with envisioning the best case scenario. Of course, obviously, he never, the, the, the worst case never happened. He's 27 now, <laughs> right? So, yeah. but, you know, that first time, you know, with some of the stuff in parenting, it's a little like, ah, oh, there goes my baby. No, you but know? you know what? I think that that was, I do that all the time. You know, my kids are, you know, Eric's age when basically speaking of what you're talking about Yeah. and, you know, putting them on an airplane without me, mm. Ooh, yeah. that whole airplane got wrapped up in a bubble. And yeah. the intention was, you know, it's a, it's an effortless fun flight and they're going to enjoy the flight attendants and mm -hmm. it's going to be great. And they're going to, in the independence and they really loved it. There's a handful of flights that they took without, without me or Alan or without an adult. So they, you know, they're in charge. The flight attendants are in charge. Um, they just thought it was absolutely fabulous. Yeah. The and, that, and that, and that makes a great memory for them. Yes. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Remember when yeah. we went on that flight and, you know, whatever. Not when mom was freaking out. Remember that time that we were flying <laughs> and mom was freaking out? It could yeah. have easily gone that way. You know, I mean, literally, I'm walking them onto the airplane. Oh, this is like two years ago. Um, but it's, it's uh, yeah, wrap them up in a white bubble and focus on what you do want. You caught it really quick. I've had the same thing. I think I think it's normal for... Oh my gosh, I, I had a dream, same kind of horrific, but far more detailed. Um, and you know, you wake up and you go, ah, okay, well, that was just a dream. Yeah. Thank let's goodness. get, let's get back to reality. Everybody's yeah. fine. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. and reality is the next step and that's taking a reality check. Yeah. Hey. Perfect, perfect segue there, Sandra. <laughs> there so, you go. You know, you look at what is the reality check? Uh, what is, you know, what has happened in the past and putting it in context. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I do for, have done with reality checks, not so much today, but when Eric was younger, more in his kind of teenage years, young, young adult years, <laughs> you know, and I, he's maybe doing something that concerns me or irritates me, either one. Um, Concerns you know, me or irritates me. One of the two. <laughs> well, you know, like, um, uh, like his maybe, you know, he, he would always collect water bottles on his, around his computer. That's where he spends a lot of time. And that was the irritating part. Mm. And so then I would like, you know, better than beer bottles, better than, you know, whatever. So there's always a way to flip this script, so to speak, mm. and, and make it different. Now the concern part or the worry part would be, um, you know, what he's doing, what he was doing at that age. And then I would think back, which was, you know, <laughs> my reality check. When I was his age, what was I doing? Oh, he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. I was way, yeah. I was putting myself way more and not harm's way necessarily, but to some degree, you know, I was doing things that were much, would be much more concerning. Sorry, mom. Yeah. Sorry, um, mom. Sorry, mom. Uh, but ultimately, well, like, I'm not sure she was aware of a lot of it. Uh, but either way, um, so then that was my reality check. Oh, he's good. He's so good. And that gave me, re that gave me reassurance. Yeah. Because he's not, he didn't go down that same kind of risky road that I tended to, <laughs> to travel down at times uh, at that point in my life. So keeping that in mind is a good way to bring in that reality check. You know, and on that note, I'll leave a couple of my friends nameless. Um, mm -hmm. So nobody wants a child like me as a teenager. Um, I don't know what you were doing, but mm -hmm. I was, yeah. Uh, all the things that you would never want your children to do, making all the decisions and choices. And I mean, of course, I had no, you know, direct parenting and role models to live up to at that time. Um other than my dad who glamorized LSD 
it's a whole story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so I was a pretty rough and tumble kid and I was, I had a great heart. I always had a great heart. And so for the most part, the choices that I make on, would make only would hurt potentially me. And I, by the grace of God, there were some things that I did were, were just straight up dangerous, mm-hmm. dangerous. Chatsworth Park with my, um, what are those fire logs? The ones that, Dura, uh, oh yeah, Duraflame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I take this into the train tunnels. <laughs> and once you got to a certain yeah. point in the train tunnels, there was a ledge for the tunnel and it was dirt. And so we would take that Duraflame and in an altered state of reality, just put it at that. And once the Duraflame, you know, got towards the end, if you took it and you threw it up to the top of the train tunnel, it was like fireworks everywhere, right? So, and we would wait for the freaking train to come through. What? An idiot. Okay, that's just, and that's not even the dangerous stuff of what I used to do. Mm-hmm. So, but I didn't hurt people. I just put myself in very dangerous situations and I'm grateful that yeah. not so much as even a twisted ankle. Yeah. But, but also having come from those experiences, you can, you can sense when there might be something going on with your child or children that, oh, I'm seeing signs here because I know oh that road. And yeah. so on some level, the experience can actually put you a little bit more in. Well, uh, and that that's exactly that. what I went through with my older stepdaughters. I said, I, and I told them this, you're on a need to know basis. And if you ever need to know, I will tell you. And while the youngest just went down a really, a really great path of education, higher education. She's got her PhD. Um, the older one who I love and adore and resonated with, I took all of what I had in my almost hurt myself many times bag and shared with her my stories. And, and she, you know, we related to each other and I did, I was able to see. Um, so if you do have, you know, a past like mine and even my little kids, like, am I going to tell them the things that I did when I was a kid? Absolutely not unless they need to know. And they will only need to know if they start, start going making that. Yeah. Start going down that path. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a dangerous path. You know, it's a dangerous path. So, um, there's no, there's no, I mean, for you, for me, and probably for anybody listening, like there is no perfect, there is no perfect child. There is no childhood perfect parent. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's reasons to worry, but taking some of these little tools that we've shared, you know, I mean, risk assessment (laughs) and like, okay. Um, or where are we at here? And just kind of bringing more awareness to if I'm worried, why Mm -hmm. is there something I can do? Yeah. And so when you're taking the reality check on your, the teenager, you know, example here, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, how have they shown up in the past? Mm -hmm. Which is also what we did in the probability assessment, right? How have they shown up in the past? Well, then use that as the reality check that the probability will put them on the same path. And if they've done well in the past, then the probability is they're going to do well this time too. Mm -hmm. Even in, uh, so with a different example, you know, when, if you've done something a lot of times and you've always had good outcomes with it, whether it be in your company or your relationships or whatever, but you go through this process of doubting yourself for the next time you do it. It's like, how long have you been doing this? Well, then the probability is, is that you're going to do it good this time too. Yep. So, you know, being a, you know, again, the perfectionism and, and the over-preparer for myself, my friend Christy shared that with me. She goes, Lisa, you've been doing this for how many years now, right? Well, now it's almost 20 years, right? But you've been, you're good. Now, this was probably 10 years ago she said this to me, <laughs> but, um, but still I can feel it kind of coming up when I've got stuff on the ho- you know, in the hopper to do and so forth. And uh, it's like, even if you didn't prepare, you would still do well, <laughs> So that's the thing. It's so for the perfectionists and the, and the ones that have such a, you know, kind of stress out at the need to prepare. That's a good thing to remember is the reality check that it's already in here. You're just kind of structuring it in a way to present it out there. But even if you didn't do that, you'd still probably do awesome. 
Yeah. Muscle memory. Yeah. I can, I can make that absolutely applicable to Alan. He's so well, he's got it all, you know, mm -hmm. whatever doesn't go in his mind smoothly is, is up to him. He's just yeah. prepared. You know, he's had a lot of experience just like you, you know, you've been doing what Lisa does so well with that threat of perfectionism. I'm not sure that's a totally a bad thing unless you go into the need to be perfect yes. category, which is a, you know, there's a lot of threads that are in, um, you know, yours and Alan's when I look mm -hmm. at, you know, the, it, for me, I appreciate it because it's not part of my personality, you know, mm -hmm. so I would like to be a little more perfect. <laughs> well, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater bath when it comes to perfectionism. Yep. So yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, there's just some amazing, you know, things that you can accomplish with that, with that characteristic. Mm -hmm. But what you want to do is get, you know, let go of the unhealthy part of it. I mean, Michael Jackson was a perfectionist and look Steven where it Spielberg took him. is a perfectionist yeah. regardless yeah. of all the other stuff around them. But, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, some of these perfectionist people create amazing things, music, movies, whatever it is, you know, yeah. because they have that, you know, that perfectionist quality. So it's not that it's a, it's not an all or nothing thing when, when it comes to perfectionism being negative or positive, it's just, just like with everything, mm -hmm. you know, you have to know when you start crossing over into the unhealthy lane and start to pull it back so that you can really produce or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing with perfectionism, mm -hmm. you know, really awesome stuff. And coming in and just kind of touching a little bit on worry. Um, my mom, God bless her. Hi mom. Um, my mom from when we were just, you know, really early teenagers and through our teenage years and in, in well into our twenties, her worry, um, saved me. Mm. So when we're talking about there's, 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 there's good, there's bad. And then there's, you know, there's the extremes and then there's the, in the middles. And, you know, there, there was this one time and I'm not going to share with what, what that was, but there was this one situation where, uh, her worry caused her to get into action and go hunt me down and find me. Yeah. And because she did that, it really saved me from making even more dangerous decisions than I was making before. And, and that, that is part of what we're talking about in all of this is that there are times, depending on what's happening, assessing the situation, looking at the reality of a situation and then going, is there something I actually need to be doing? You know, and in my mom's situation is I need to get her on the phone and see if she's okay. Yeah. And it really was that simple. And and that could be intuition. Yes. So, so there's a difference between worry and intuition. Your intuition will kind of click in and say, no, there is a concern that needs to be dealt with, but she didn't just sit and worry. She took action. Yeah. Because she yes. was acting on her intuition. So again, this, all these things are, there's, <laughs> it's not black and white. There's uh, yeah. a lot of different aspects to it. Yeah. But what we're talking about is when you're really just sitting in worry mm -hmm. and it's just taking a toll on you yeah. and, and, and allowing yourself to kind of move it through this kind of the structure of these steps so that you don't sit in it and, or, or, you know, again, if it's a lifestyle, so you don't, so you can move out of that kind of living and get on to a more, well, you, actually when you're worrying, you're not going to be as tuned into your intuition. So if you think mm -hmm. about the boy who cried wolf, if you're always on worry, then how mm -hmm. are you going to know what's intuition and what's just fear? Yep. So you want to fine tune your intuition, which means you have to <laughs> move out the, just the fear-based stuff. Yeah. And, and so that when that intuition comes in, it's like, Ooh, I need to, I need to do something here. So that's another really strong aspect that you bring up around that, around knowing the difference between those two. I was just thinking of my dangerous choices as a child. And I was like, oh, <laughs> there's my mom taking worry to a very realistic level. Right. Thanks, yeah. mom. Yeah. So the next step is mindfulness integration. So staying mindful and present whenever it is that you're going through these experiences. Um, 
so in the case of the teenager, I'm going back to the example here, which I'm looking at. Um, when discussing the event with your teenager, practice mindfulness, stay present in the conversation without projecting excessive worry about the potential outcomes. Because mm. you'd also, you know, you want to, you want your, your person to your, your child, he or she or whatever, but um, to, to have a good time, ultimately, isn't that ultimately why they're going out in the first place is mm. to socialize and have a good time and, and get some experience and have a little bit taste of freedom, you know, as a teenager, we all, you know, most teenagers want that. And so, you know, learn, cause you know, it is part of the growing up process. You don't want to overprotect and have them not be prepared at all for adulthood. Uh, you want them to slowly integrate it into, uh, into their life, which means you can slowly integrate the letting go process to give them the opportunity to do that. In order to do that, you got to be mindful as you do it. Yeah. And the last thing, or the last, or actually second to last step, is um, to develop positive affirmations around your different scenarios. So if the best case scenario, you can create an affirmation like, I trust my teenager to make responsible choices, and we have communicated openly about expectations. Mm. So that would be an affirmation around the best case scenario. The worst case scenario would be, I've equipped my teenager with the knowledge to handle challenges, and I'm available for support if needed. Mm. And then Even the, that sounds good, and that's the worst case scenario. I know, right? Yeah. And then the middle ground, um, we have discussed potential scenarios, and I believe my teenager is capable of navigating them responsibly. Mm. So that really is, it's, it's all, but it's all moving towards positive. Even the worst case scenario, it's all moving towards the positive because you're affirming it. You're, you're now using your creative energy instead of using it towards worry, you're using it towards the best outcome. And out that of all is the three. so next level. But that's where we're going here. We're going next level because it's possible, it's probable. And even you just saying the words in those scenarios, I'm like, yes, that feels good. You know, Doesn't it, it feel good? It feels I mean, as good. I was reading it, I'm like, yeah, that, that feels pretty solid to me. I think that would cover it if I had a teenager today. <laughs> exactly. I know. I'm going to put yeah. that to good use. Yes. Although it, me personally, like with my children and my freedom, I don't, I don't bump up against the worry, but my husband does. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and I think most parents do. I just don't because I was such a I, I made such bad choices. So, yeah, the, in the in the scenario, are they better than I was or – you know, oh, I'm good. <laughs> Nothing to worry yeah. about. Uh, and mine are younger. So I'm just actually mm -hmm. kidding because it's uh, it's actually a thing. So yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, all of that made me feel good. And I'm like, those are really next level, higher consciousness, more awareness mm -hmm. in how we parent and how we communicate and getting buy-in. You know, like it's a, it's a typical sales term that I've been using forever since I've been in the world of sales and an entrepreneur. So it's, you want to get buy-in. You want someone else to, to see the vision and see the dream of where it is that you would like to go. And we can use those simple best case, middle of the road, you know, worst case scenarios in the words. The words really do have power and the yeah. power is positive. And the last step is to learn and adapt. So it's taking those experiences and saying, okay, I made it through this <laughs> flurry of worry. Ooh, that's a yeah. worry, right? Flurry, flurry of, of worry. worry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what we should call this podcast, how to get out of your flurry of worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but build on, because each time you go through an experience that you've worried about, you're building out the next probability. You're either yeah. raising your probability or lowering your probability, but either way, the more you learn, this takes practice. So the more you learn and mm -hmm. adapt to this, the more you're going to get a handle on the worry and the more you're going to get a handle on this thing in here called the mind. So mm -hmm. your mind doesn't have control over you. You're learning to how to have control over those thoughts in the mind that can kind of spin out of control if we allow it to. And plus all the emotional stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. So, yeah. That was really fun. Flurry and worry and worrying and flurrying. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we made ourselves laugh for the second time today. That's a good right. laugh. Earlier yeah. we got a good laugh. Now we got a whole other good laugh. Mm -hmm. um, but it's true, you know, like we can, we can control our mind by understanding how we feel. Yeah. And then exercising the muscle 
over and over and over again. And Mm -hmm. this is just one that I'm surprised it took us what is this, our 14th, 15th podcast? This is number 15. Yes, yeah. This is number 15. To address something that is so, I mean, threaded, yeah. threaded, 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 threaded. Mm-hmm. There's no black and white yeah. and there's no perfection to this. It's just getting people to a next level awareness of the more that we can share with you, like, look how good it felt to say, I trust my teenager to make responsible choices and we have communicated openly about the expectations. Like, yeah, that's simple, concise, and it, and it makes me feel good. And so if I'm feeling good, they're feeling good because we're feeling it together. And so that's how you trick the, it's a whole train. Yeah, you train it because you didn't become a worrier overnight. It took some time to become a very intense worrier. So the so because you practiced it, you just didn't realize you were practicing it. You were practicing it by default. <laughs> right? No, I'm going to become a great worrier. You, you exercise that muscle. Yeah. And that muscle got stronger. Yeah. So now it's time to weaken that muscle and strengthen the other muscle, which is trust and faith and, you know, really looking at it more, um, you know, from a logical standpoint, but it will take practice. You're not just going to, this isn't going to change you overnight. It's going to help you to change over time. Absolutely. I think this is going to be, um, I, I hope, and I know I'll incorporate it into my experience over the next week, which is paying attention to where I am worrying. And instead of going this way, exercising maybe a weaker muscle and making it even stronger. And this is how we raise our frequency and live in this world with more peace and harmony. And that's a wonderful place to live in. That's right. So any other wise words of wisdom? That's it for today. All right, you guys, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you very much. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week.